You know, it seems there's been a whole lot of discussion in the news over the last, I don't know, year or so about this phrase called grooming. Grooming. It's when certain behaviors are kind of uh, planted in the mind of very young people, like pre-K through the end of elementary school kind of young people. Young people whose ideas are not quite fully developed on their own yet. They haven't really figured out exactly who they are or what they're doing or why they're on this earth. And you might even hear phrases from them like Michael Jr. discusses of his son when he says, My son came to me the other day and he said, Dad, when I grow up, I want to be a doctor. And I was so proud that he wants to be a doctor. Yes, the first doctor in the family. And then he said, or a dinosaur. That's, that's Michael Jr.'s joke, and, and it's a great joke, and it gets a great laugh every time he delivers it, much better than I did. I'm not a professional comedian, in case you hadn't noticed. But here's a major point he points out. When you're under five, six, seven, maybe even as old as 10 years old, what I want to be when I grow up is a very complicated question. And it's deeply embedded with a whole lot of imagination and free thinking and whatever you want it to be. And that's what I want to talk about today on Leading Leaders. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast. And um, it really does kind of mess with your head when you think about all of the notions that roll through a head of a little person, a toddler, uh, elementary age, even pre-K. I'm, I'm around them a lot. We have 10 that call us Lolly and Poppy. And between those 10, there are a couple of them in that two-year-old range and a handful of them in that four to 10-year-old range. And then there's the early middle school where they're really beginning to come into their identity and <clears throat> they're just about to start puberty and, and life is changing. And then we have a couple that are 15 and 16 years old and their life is completely different as they're learning to drive and becoming young adults with the fear of re real life responsibilities. But all of them seem to have the tendency that they have their own imagination of what, quote, the real world is like. I realize that <clears throat> in the world of politics, there's a whole lot of manipulative talk. And the word groomer has been thrown around as a bad thing. And I don't mean a dog groomer like Sandy has to see on a regular basis because she's a giant fluffball that overproduces fur. I mean the kind of groomer who's intentionally planting ideas into the mind of a young person. Now, normally that phrase is put in play as a description of a nefarious activity. Grooming your child for early sexuality. Grooming your child for a confusion of sexual identity. Grooming your child for a certain kind of behavior. I was watching a video this morning I shared on my social media <clears throat> of a guy who, in 1967, basically asked himself the question, how did the Nazis convince all of these people to turn against one race in their country? How did they manage to do that? And so he went about the business of taking elementary aged kids and putting them in line, so to speak, to behave the way he wanted them to. And it spilled over out of his class. He was a history teacher, spilled over out of his class into the entire school and out of his school into the entire ISD and out of the ISD into the community until the parents rose up and went, hold on, what exactly are you doing? 
what started as a social experiment has become a movement to change the way our children think and behave. You're cutting them off from their parents. You're cutting them off from the rule of law. You have these children behaving in a manner that the only person they listen to is one teacher. Okay, that, that would fall under the category of grooming. He was subsequently fired from his job. I don't know what happened to him since then. But the idea that you could manipulate the mind of young people to fall in line like that, well, that's why we have a school system. I don't know if you know this or not, but back in the day of the Industrial Revolution, um, Sir Lawrence, uh, knight, he's been knighted by the Queen of England before she passed many decades ago. Sir Lawrence did an entire documentary. In fact, it's a TED Talk, if you go look it up, where he talks about the purpose of education and why all the classes are in a straight row and all the chairs are facing one direction and the only person that talks is the teacher and the information that every student gets is exactly the same and standardized tests want to make sure that each student has learned exactly the same thing by the end of the process. And Sir Lawrence will tell you, based on his research, that from the early 1920s this modification of our public school systems globally came from some of the information that was done in England at the Oxford School. And the list continues to go on. It was a way of teaching children so there would be uniformity. Why uniformity? Well, because Thomas, uh, excuse me, because Henry Ford and his ilk decided that the assembly line is the most effective process for anything. And if we can get everyone to think the same and move along the same lines, then we can get higher levels of production and productivity out of the working class. I read an article probably eight or ten years ago, and in the article it talked about how we had so many people out there, quote, starting their own business. This was really a slam. Starting their own businesses, but they were no longer competent to work on the factory floor. They said, <laughs> straight in the article, I hope I've kept that magazine. It was an old ink uh, magazine. It was, the article said, straight from the article, it's like 45 pages of of article, different uh, people speaking, we are willing to pay $75,000 a year for one person to stand in one spot and push the same button over and over again. If they can simply watch the mold, make sure that the process is doing what it's supposed to be, and then push a button to make the process start and push a button to make the process stop. And then alert us if there's a problem in the process, because we just haven't quite got there yet that the robot can make that decision on its own. Now, again, this was eight or 10 years ago that I was reading this article, but I want you to understand when we talk about grooming, that is part of the process. I don't need you to think. I don't need you to do anything. I just need you to follow the instructions you've been given, push the button if, and push the button if. That's it. And I will pay you handsomely to not think, to not have ideas, to not be an entrepreneur, to not start your own thing. I need you to be part of the machine, if you will, part of the process. Because somebody's got to push that button until we train the robot to do so. All right, this also is grooming. The public school system is a form of grooming. This assembly line way of thinking, it's a form of grooming. The way that grocery stores are set up, I don't know if you know this or not, there's a deep psychology. You might walk into the grocery store and think, why do I have to walk so far from the fruit and vegetables to the frozen foods to the milk? To 
the things that I buy every time I'm in the store seem to be way away from each other. They are, yeah, and it's on purpose. It's so that you have to walk by all the other impulse buys before you get to the thing that you're going to buy. Most people don't come into the store to buy the things they leave with. Mm -mm, no, they come into the store for things that they have to have and they leave with things that they just have to have. It's a psychology that's embedded in the layout of the store. Every manufactured retail store has what they call a planogram. How high up the shelf should that product be? Yeah, you'll notice the sugar-laden cereals are on the bottom shelves. Why? Because they're eye level with the kids who want sugar-filled foods. Raisin Bran, top shelf. Why? Because grown-ups want Raisin Bran, not kids. You follow me? Fruit Loops on the eye level of, the, of a teenager or a toddler, Raisin Bran on the eye level of grown-ups. That's not an accident. It's the understanding of human psychology and how humans behave. And is it grooming? Well, technically, yes. It's a way of getting people to behave the way you want them to. So now let me ask that scary question. All the conversation around grooming has been under the nefarious idea that there are people grooming children for early sexuality and grooming children for uh, racism or anti-racism and grooming children uh, to become socialist or capitalist or whatever else it is. And the question that I need you to consider, and I'd love for somebody more intelligent than myself, more well-read than myself, to put the comments and on all of the social media platforms and tell me this question. Is there a difference between leading and grooming? Is there a difference between leading and grooming? I would love to share with you my idea, but I don't want my opinion to taint your thoughts on it. And in fact, I want you to think freely. I want you to think clearly. I want you to take the time to think, to ask that question. Is there a difference between grooming and leading? Or is there a difference between grooming and misleading? There's an ancient philosophy that says, if you train a child in the right way, when they're old, that's what they're going to do. Dr. Bruce Lipton says, you need to understand that children in that three to seven, sometimes eight or 10 years old, depending on their maturity level, are in what the brain waves, the encephalograph will tell you, the brain waves are in what we call the theta state. Uh, that's the programming state. That's where we instruct the mind to do certain things and it never changes. It takes 63 days to break a habit. It takes less time to create the habit when the brain is in theta state. You ever heard of those smoking cessation uh, tapes that they use, subliminal messaging, hypnotism? Yeah, that's working the brain into a theta state. They have a very particular process for doing that. But you don't have to do that if it's a kid. You don't have to convince them of anything because they'll believe what they're told the most often. Whether that's right or wrong, true or false, they don't have a filter to know. So what they hear the most often, what they hear the most regularly, that's considered to be the truth and it becomes habitual for them. It will become what they think about most of the time and you'll become what you think about most of the time. If the ideas are planted, if the conversation is had around topics that they're not mature enough to yet make a decision about, haven't been exposed to, to determine if it's real or it's fantasy, 
how many young kids do you know are willing to slay a dragon? They've never seen one, but from all they've read and all they've heard and all the cartoons and all of the movies, dragons seem pretty real. I watched a movie not too long ago where the blurred line between reality and virtual reality was so intense that the behavior of the characters was indistinguishable dream from reality. I also watched one where they were actually given samples of different hormonal adjusting drugs that caused them to react in an overly sexual way or an overly violent way or an overly, overly submissive way. I'm trying to remember the name of that movie. Um, they were all stuck on an island. They were trapped. They were social experiments. Can't remember the name of it. It was a trip. It was a real trip. But we're not far off from that, are we? What kind of medications, drugs, prescriptions have been given to your kids to make sure that they behave in the way that the school wants them to while they're in school? So that the teachers can get them to behave the way they're supposed to when they're in the classroom. So that they'll comply peacefully. You think I'm kidding? Ask your doctor what Ritalin is for. Ask him what Ederol is for. And then ask him what drug class it comes from because you'll be astonished to know it's a barbiturate. Yeah, it's a derivative of cocaine and other things like that. The effect it has on the brain and the certain doses that it's given, pretty sincere stuff, pretty severe stuff. And after a long period of time, it will disqualify you for military service. You may not know that, but uh, ask your MEP station processor. Your recruiter probably won't tell you, but your MEP station will when they tell you you're not qualified to join the military. I'm just saying, there are some things that are happening across our society, some good, some bad. But if you as parents, if you as individual leaders cannot distinguish between leading and grooming, you're going to find yourself in a world of hurt. And if you can distinguish between them, I would love to see your comment on this post. I would love your feedback on this conversation. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast. Or tell it like it is TV. Have a blessed day. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom.